This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads on our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. If you'd like to join us in person, our talks take place at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. So, uh, Samaria. Uh, I'm going to break my talk down into five sections. Uh, firstly, where it, where it is, where was it, uh, and where did Samaria originate from. Uh, then we'll move on to what the Samaritans were like, uh, what they thought, what they believed, uh, before looking at two well-known occasions that uh, Samaria or a Samaritan crops up in the Bible, and then how it can relate to us today. Uh, the first thing we should talk about is, well, where exactly is Samaria? Uh, what can be a little confusing is that there is a city of Samaria in the land of Israel. Uh, and this city was used as a, a capital of the northern kingdoms after King Solomon died and his kingdom of Israel was split into two. Uh, the southern kingdom being called Judah, with Jerusalem as its capital, and then the northern kingdom uh, retaining the name Israel with Samaria as the capital uh, but Samaria is also the historical and the biblical name used for the central region uh, of the ancient land of Israel uh, which is now known as Palestine uh, it's bordered by Galilee to the north and then Judea to the south uh, and the ancient city of Samaria originated back in the Old Testament times uh, and our first mention of it is uh, in the Bible is in First Kings, uh, chapter sixteen. <clears throat> it's in First Kings, chapter sixteen, and uh, verses twenty-three and twenty-four. It says in the first in the thirty-first year of Asa, king of Judah, Omri became king over Israel and reigned twelve years. Six years he reigned in Terzah, and he bought the hill of Samaria from Shema for two talents of silver. Then he built on the hill and called the name of the city which he built Samaria, after the name of Shema, owner of the hill. And uh, King Omri liked Samaria so much that he was uh, the one who actually made it into the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel, and he was buried there when he died. Uh, we read this in verse 28. So Omri rested with his fathers and was buried in Samaria. Then Ahab, his son, reigned in his place. Uh, and the Old Testament kings uh, were often referred to as evil or good, uh, depending on whether they followed uh, what God said. Uh, Omri and Ahab were evil kings because they turned to idols instead of worshipping God. Uh, and Ahab, like his father, Omri, decided to live in the city of Samaria, and he even added a, a temple and a palace there. Uh, if we just turn now to First Kings and chapter 21. And we read in verse 1. It came to pass, after these things, that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab king of Samaria so whilst 
uh, Ahab was ruling over uh, Israel, uh, over all Israel, he is referred to as the king of Samaria. He lost sight of what God wanted from him, uh, so much so that he thought nothing of killing a man who was this Naboth in order to steal his vineyard, uh, as is recorded in this chapter. Uh, and later on in the chapter, verse 18, God calls Elijah, a prophet in Israel, during Ahab's reign. He calls him to arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is, in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. God had not forgotten that Ahab was meant to be the king of Israel, as we can see here, but he merely lived in Samaria. Uh, and Samaria was denounced by many of the prophets for its wealth and its corruption. Uh, I've just picked out two of the uh, most condemning prophecies. Uh, firstly, in Hosea, uh, chapter 13 and verse 16. It's, uh, it's only short, so I'll, I'll just read it. Samaria is held guilty, for she has rebelled against her God. They shall fall by the sword... Their infants shall be dashed in pieces, and their women with child ripped open. And it's, uh, uh, this is talking about how uh, those who live in Samaria shall die at the hands of an army, uh, including the women and the children. It's not a very nice prophecy at all. Uh, and because of these uh, denouncements, it was uh, besieged many times by Syria, who were a kingdom uh, to the north of Israel. Uh, we can see this in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, if you're still near there. 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, verse 24. It says, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed, they besieged it until the donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Uh, and uh, another prophecy that we have about Samaria uh, is in Amos uh, chapter 3 and verse 12. Again, it's quite short, so I'll just read it for you. It says, As a shepherd takes from the mouth of a lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out who dwell in Samaria in the corner of a bed and on the edge of a couch. This one's talking about how those who live in Samaria uh, are going to be were being taken out into captivity, uh, and so it was that Samaria was uh, again besieged, uh, and it was captured by the uh, Assyrians in uh, 772 BC, uh, with many of its inhabitants being taken away as captive to across the Syrian Empire and it was after this that Samaria becomes the name of the general region rather than uh, the city and the uh, kingdom uh, and many centuries later King Herod decided to rebuild Samaria uh, along with a few other places in Israel such as Jerusalem where he built uh, a new temple that's often referred to as Herod's Temple uh, and was the uh, temple that was uh, there in Jesus' time. Uh, but after he died, another king called uh, Archelaus took over, who was, he was hated by the Jews who revolted against him. 
And as a result, he was sent into exile, which caused his kingdom to be made part of the Roman province, uh, which included the city of Samaria. Uh, This did nothing to help the animosity that had developed between the Jews and the Samaritans. Uh, And speaking of that, during the Old Testament times, there was a, a strong animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. You can see this by looking at the record uh, of uh, Nehemiah, uh, who was a man that God spoke to uh, and who was told by God to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, you'll find the book of Nehemiah just before the book of Psalms, uh, which is roughly in the middle of uh, our Bibles. If we just go to Nehemiah uh, chapter 4, please. It goes. Uh, Psalms, Esther, Job, and Nehemiah. Nope, it goes Psalms, Job, Esther, Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 4, and we'll just look at the first two verses. But it so happened when Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria. And he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heap of rubbish, stones that are burned? We can see clearly that the the, the army of the Samaritans hated these these Jews and they were used to mocking them and making uh, making uh, sport of them. However, this became worse after after the times... Uh, when the Jews returned from captivity in Babylon they returned to Jerusalem uh, as the the bad blood between the two communities gets worse Uh, the Samaritans now had um, semi-Gentile origins non-Jew origins and they were despised by the Jews because of this Uh, and as well as the contrary beliefs they had to the Jews such as they chose Mount Gerizim as their holy site instead of Mount Zion where Jerusalem is uh, they rejected the Psalms and uh, resented the prophets from the scriptures and so during New Testament times uh, when Jesus was travelling around Israel uh, preaching about the gospel it was common for travellers uh, from Galilee to uh, the north of Samaria to avoid Samaria by going east to the Jordan Valley and then using that as a highway Uh, to go down to Jerusalem however Jesus didn't do this Uh, instead he went straight through Samaria during his his time preaching and that brings us to a a well known occasion where Jesus uh, meets a woman at a well in Samaria Uh, if you'll turn with me please to John uh, and chapter 4 John chapter 4 we see uh, Jesus sitting down at a well where he meets this Samaritan woman and she's so startled that uh, a Jewish man was talking to her as we can see in verse 9 then the woman of Samaria said to him how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink of me a Samaritan woman for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans And the woman uh, fails to understand 
the importance of who it is sitting before her. It wasn't like any other Jew that uh, hated the Samaritans. This was Jesus, the Son of God. And we can see this in verse 21. Jesus says, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And uh, of course, while he uh, he convinces this this woman of Samaria, as, as you see if you read the, read on in the chapter, uh, this doesn't stop the animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. Uh, so it's it's no wonder that the uh, that Jesus told the Jews a parable, um, which is a story with a message behind it or a moral. And this is uh, one of Jesus' most well-known parables, called the Good Samaritan. If you just turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, we'll read the whole uh, of the parable. Behold, a, a certain lawyer stood up, and tested him, Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly, do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbour? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounding him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So, which of these three do you think was neighbour to him who fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, He who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Now this parable is a, a particularly hard lesson for this lawyer uh, who asked Jesus the original uh, question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's what he asked him. Uh, and we see from this chapter that Jesus returns by challenging the lawyer to answer his own question 
in which he quotes the word of uh, God as given to Moses in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Uh, and then adding to it uh, with thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. And these would have been commandments that were recited by devout Jews morning and evening and would often be used in arguments about religious priorities. But Jesus makes the man expand and think on this question by asking him, who is my neighbour? Uh, and we see a priest who should have been filled with compassion at the sight of an injured man uh, and a Levite who came close enough to look at the poor man's injuries but he went away without helping and of course we come to this Samaritan who was the most despised and hated people a Jew could think of uh, to all the Jews listening to the story they would have been horrified to hear that this was the man who decided to stop and help a stranger and truly enact a finer interpretation of thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself so when the lawyers asked by Jesus uh, which uh, acted the most as a neighbour to the poor man on the road the lawyer can't even bring himself to, uh, to say the, the word Samaritan he says the, the one who showed him compassion instead uh, and this was the definition of, uh, of neighbour that he had asked for but he wasn't happy with the answer uh, and the point of Jesus' story was that any man, especially any man in trouble and to whom you can bring direct personal aid, is your neighbour, regardless of race or religion or status or character. And the question that the lawyer asked Jesus is relevant for us here today. Uh, what can we do to inherit eternal life? Well, we need to learn and understand what God says uh, by reading his word in the Bible uh, and we as Christadelphians read the Bible regularly because we believe it's the claim, we believe it's claimed to be the Word of God. Uh, we understand that it is the way God has chosen to reveal Himself to anyone who read it. Uh, we find in its pages the best guide to happiness now and future life in God's kingdom. Uh, and it contains remarkable prophecies which not only show it is God's Word, but tell us that the return of Jesus is near. And we also try to follow the example and teaching of Jesus by putting God first in our lives, by recognising our dependence on him and our need for his forgiveness, uh, seeking to love our neighbours as Jesus taught, uh, and telling others the good news about Jesus. Uh, this is not always easy to follow, but the Bible provides encouragement for us. Uh, in Psalm uh, 31, verse 24, it says... Be of good courage, and he, God, shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. There is much more to be gained by reading the word of God and following what it has to say. Jesus also warns us to watch for the day of his return. We read in Luke 21, verse 34, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, in cares of this life and that day will come on you unexpectedly for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the son of man so to finish what is the hope that we as Christadelphians have 
Well, Christ is the actual object of our hope because it is in his second coming to this earth that our hope will be fulfilled. Uh, in 1 Timothy 1, verse 1, Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ as our hope. Uh, and again in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, he says that we are looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Jesus has called you and me to be in his kingdom on earth, uh, which is why we rejoice in this hope, uh, are patient in suffering and continue always in prayer. Will you answer his call and share in the hope that we have of being in that coming kingdom? Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk